Hey everybody, welcome to the 63rd episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And before we get started, just want to remind you all, please subscribe on iTunes, please subscribe on, or follow us on Spotify, rather, leave us five stars, leave us a review. If you have any questions or comments, you can send us an email to mathcoreindex at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to get some exclusive cool benefits, you can pop over to our Patreon uh, and check that out as well. So, uh, the first band we're going to talk about is The Armed. The Armed are a hardcore collective from Detroit, Michigan, and they play a, an experimental blend of hardcore punk that could also be described as metalcore or post-hardcore and even occasionally mathcore, uh, with quite a bit of synth elements and even some elements that one could describe as pop, uh, perfectly <laughs> blending like major key crescendos with heavy music. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a sort of a mysterious band, a collective even, uh, if you will. And for a little background on them, one of the most fascinating things about this project is that like the current number of members and their identities are sort of a mystery. Uh, at least they've gone to like previously great lengths to obfuscate all that information, like all but the names, but a few key collaborators. Uh, but there's basically a lot of indications that it seems to be sort of a revolving door lineup, you know? It is a collective hive mind of dope shit, it seems to be. <laughs> it is a... Yeah, uh, I, I honestly think this is probably 75% of the attraction that I have to this band is just the overall, you know, um, I tr- we were talking about the other day, it's just uh, that meme of Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny with all the different strings trying to tie everything in. You're just, like, getting, going crazy about looking into it. But I think the, the stories and the true and false ones are just amazing and just the lure behind it and honestly dude uh i'll just say it right off the bat just the the full realized vision that they have and how it seems that as time goes on the more it's been planned out this whole time and it's just like (laughs) it's becoming evident there's a lot of foresight put into this release cycle of only love and um ultra pop for sure I think that their intent was definitely, they stated as much previously, that it was to challenge the idea of authorship. So for, for all you know, I'm in the armed, uh, which is kind of an interesting concept. But I think more that you're so, to get super caught up on who is in the band and who is like writing what is sort of like missing the point. I think that they really just wanted you to focus on the art and less on the author or the uh, yep. obsessing about the idea of who the author is and their their um, their image and their personality. It's sort of an interesting uh, interesting direction that they've taken with this new album. They've they've sort of I've I've heard the word maximalism tossed around quite a bit, and that they've really just gone full throttle with the wall of sound kind of approach. You know, I do know, however, that uh, basically it's been like the same three core people from the beginning: Chris Elkjar, uh, guitarist Tony. Walski, who's the drummer, who is now also also the vocalist for Genghis Tron and directs all the <laughs> ARMS music videos. And if you haven't seen the ARMS music videos, man, they're, they're fucking incredible. Uh, every music video for both Only Love and Ultra Pop have been, like, extremely well-directed. And he directs all those music videos. Uh, and then guitarist uh, Aaron Jones now apparently does photography for the band, so it's sort of up in the air about whether or not he re- he's recording on these songs. I imagine he is. So anyway, they released their debut in 2009, uh, These Are Lights, which was mixed by Kurt Ballou of Converged for free, which is an important detail as their relation to Converge just goes like really fucking deep. Uh, there's three subsequent EPs featured in one capacity or another, uh, Chris Penny of the Dillinger Escape Plan, uh, one of the EPs being mixed by Kurt Ballou. Uh, their 2015 full-length Untitled also had Ballou and featured uh, Nick Yaxson of Baptists in Sumac, 
who is now the drummer in Gengastron, along with his former bandmate Walski. So it's just like the yeah, this like the cross pollination of fucking artists here is really fucking cool. And just to further drive home the can, sorry. What's oh, up? I think I, I think I was losing you there. I'm not sure if anybody else was. I was anybody else losing me? You might just have internet connection issues. Can anyone clarify yeah, just, if I was cutting out? Yeah, I dissipated there, yeah. Anyways, just keep going, bud. Uh, I, I, just, I really couldn't hear anything you were saying there, uh, but uh, just keep going. Um, okay. Now you got me tripping about whether or not I was actually recording everything I was just saying, so give me one second. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was a connection on okay, cool. you know, Discord, so yeah, just keep going. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I just sort of got derailed there. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> to further the Converge connection, uh, their 2018 full-length Only Love, which I absolutely loved, was produced by Kurt Ballou and also featured Ben Kohler, who apparently was tricked into recording drums for the album under the impression that it was a Converge album. Uh, and there's even like a notable theory that Kurt Ballou started the band, as he's like quoted in a 2018 interview as saying as much, uh, with Noisy. Really? Yeah, he like was like when I created the arm, then he like kind of took that back and was like, well, I think they misinterpreted and did some editing on what I said, so... I don't know, he kind of like went back on that, but I don't know if that was intentionally uh, just placed there to throw people off or if it was um, if it was an accidental, just a slip. But, you know, I guess we'll never know. And it doesn't it doesn't frankly really matter, I guess, because, again, the whole point is you're supposed to be focusing on the art and not like who is in the lineup. Yeah. One of the notable things about Only Love is that it had, again, those excellent music videos uh, one of which was premiered via Adult Swim and featured Tommy Wiseau of The Room. Have you seen that one? Yes. Yeah, so they've just... They've done stuff like that. They they have this Discord group, apparently, where people are, like, talking and, like, putting their money together to, like, do stuff like billboard advertisements for the band. They've just, like, gone to all these insane lengths for the marketing. I really wish Andy Shaka was in the chat right now because he was sort of describing in great detail... Um, what went down there and I don't want to say too much because I don't know what is confidential and what is not but you know it's just really interesting and really a collective of individuals behind this artistically and musically mm -hmm. just every like the, the discord is like an extension of the band basically so yeah now the band are back with their new full length album Ultra Pop which uh, was released on April 16th via Sergeant House and I, I dare say it's even more transcendental and genre defying than Only Love absolutely I think this is like one of the best albums of 2021 so far it is probably from the synth side but I, I just I find it super catchy and I hate to use this but it's very futuristic it's just um, yeah it's very it's forward, very forward thinking, thinking. Mm -hmm. you know I just did not uh, I've never thought of it this way and I love it you know, um, so uh, I gotta ask you what what is a track that grabbed you? Oh man, uh, I, I would know, say I mean, it's twelve tracks, but I mean like every it was hard for me to choose a track that like because everything to as a collective is just like I mean this album is amazing, you know? Yeah, it's uh, super good. And Kurt Ballou, of course, is the executive producer this time around, um, and it's also co-produced by Dan Green, which I suspect is a pseudonym for Tony Walski, but I'm not like a hundred percent on that. Here's the thing why I think these guys in Converge are a little more involved than we think, because I think the story revolving around this one is that they told Kurt that uh, they wanted it mastered because Tony, the bassist of Metallica, was going to be playing bass, but then he never 
did Trujillo, play bass. yeah. Yeah, so even that is just like, once again, we got another little bit of that converge, you know, thing there, so. Yeah, that's funny, because that, I think that kind of reveals that maybe he is not um, the, the creator, because he's not in on certain things like that, and he said that it's it's less amusing when you're on the other side of the joke, I think is what he was directing. I forgot to put that in my notes, but that's an interesting point for sure, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, just one more other one other footnote that I just have to mention really quickly is that Ben Chisholm of Chelsea Wolf is also involved in this album, who is also involved in the new Genghis Tron album. So just again, dude, this chart, the Charlie Day meme will fucking ring fucking clear. That is exactly what's going on here. It's just like fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, and this is totally Shinfo, but uh, Ben also grew up like near where I'm from, and his brother Casey is also a super sick musician, just like a cool, uh, super cool like musical family. Anyway, so this album is pretty much immaculate from start to finish, to answer your question. It's it, really hard for me to pick a, a favorite track, because there's not a moment when I'm like fully engaged or just letting the wall of sound just wash over me. Um, but I, I would say that the album really picks up with All Futures, which is mm-hmm. the, the lead single, you know? It's got really energetic, uh, fun, punk energy, synth-driven pop elements, Anthemic lyrics and just those sassy yeah, 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 yeahs and tambourines from the backup vocals. It's really just hitting a lot of notes of pop there. Yep. Especially with that pre-chorus riff followed by, you know, the the chorus of All Futures Destruction. Such a goddamn earwig. So I... Re- <laughs> That'd be my track to pick, I guess, just because of that. What Basically because of what you just said there. That is exactly what it's like. All right, that's the one. It sticks in your head. It really, yeah, so really stays with you. Yeah, for sure. And it has a great music video, too, with uh, eight of the quote-unquote current members uh, doing like a live performance, too. Yeah. I also really liked Masunaga Vapors. I, I think that's probably like the most technically impressive, you know, guitar-wise song of the album for me. So, obviously, I'm probably going to gravitate towards that. The, the drumming is also incredible. Soaring diatonic leads that just seemingly keep building on each other and especially during the song's bridge, which is probably one of my favorite moments of the album, uh, and just features really cool left-right speaker play with those two guitar parts kind of like taking turns with this just heavenly as- uh, ascension, you know? It just And it reaches this massive crescendo that just gives way to all these lovely eight, like 8-bit-sounding synths. Uh, I'm gushing over here. This, this album is just fucking... Yeah, yeah. It's that good. I listened to it probably 10 times in the last like three or four days. Yep. So yeah, Masunaga Vapors was a big big highlight for me. Uh, in, in iteration, I thought was another standout track and certainly a very poignant statement on repetition here. Uh, unsurprisingly, the use of musical repetition in this song is quite effective uh, and it kind of manages to also offer the message using like a broad enough palette to still keep it interesting with those like memorable verses. You know, just really very thought-provoking too. Again, just on again yep. on repetition, how it, how effective that is, and then you know just goes ahead and it does that as well. Average death also I thought was really good. That's one of the more immediately likable songs. Soaring harmonized vocals, hybridized combination of sequencers over live drums and blast beat driven choruses, and then it just suddenly at the end it gives way to that second wind and the tempo just like picks up into a super fast D beat, and then it drops back down again. And just really employing a lot of the same musical devices that Deaf Heaven does here. I, I get reminded of stuff that is just so uh, off the wall and different from the the normal kind of like hardcore and like metal stuff that normal bands are like pulling from. 
And I yeah. think that's what makes this a really exciting album. You know, it's we really champion that kind of genre, high, again, hybridization and uh, amalgamation, and they're just going fucking full in on that on this album. It's a new equation for sure. Uh, and I think that's just what catches uh, the ear so much. Is it, it is new yet familiar. But uh, they're onto something, man. It's and, but once again, like we'll see what happens next. I mean, with everything that we've already spoken of, with just the the connections and the stories and all of that. I mean, what the fuck is happening next? You know, yeah, if this really... if this is maximalism, then what what comes after maximalism? Yeah. Do yeah. we do we just revert to minimalism? Because this is already so. I, I, we're abusing the term wall of sound, but. Your album, it, your album has the has ultra in it. So really, from there, it's like, all right. Okay. I think the album title <laughs> says it all. Actually, it's yeah. it's like a, a it's pop on steroids. It's basically pop with blast beats. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm all right yeah. with that. I'm Me right too. That. I'm so all right with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that, just speaking of just reminding me of totally disparate things. Big Shell, not really like one of my favorite cuts or anything, but. The beginning of the track reminds me of the knife silent shout more than it does like a rock and roll song. Kind of just like washed out 8-bit synthesizers and like a super noisy bridge. Mm. Just um yeah, just different it's another kind of uh sort of a risk they took on this album is bad selection where they just go full on electro pop uh in a way that really comes across like Crystal Castles for me. I'm not sure if you got yep. that. But yep. just well, I I did, well, I mean it- completely uh, makes uh, sense to me. I did not think that, but when you say that, it's like, absolutely. That, that The line, um, it's like sort of like spoken. Then it like the big chorus comes in and it just really hits with something dimly lights the way, violent faith in better days, hallelujah. Everybody knows that I am great. And then they just pummel you with fucking blast beats and another glorious synth crescendo. Uh, and then the album kind of like resets itself, you know, because the music becomes a skull is like basically the same song as ultra pop and that they're both just like very minimal percussion uh and like pulsing synthesizers and um they kind of like in the same key as well for a moment as well Mm -hmm. sorry that to be perfectly redundant (laughs) (laughs) another track i really liked was this motherfucker is going to list every track on the album, everybody. You just wait. Just let him keep, let Dude, him, let so him keep talking. He's going to name every fucking track. Check it out. Faith in Medication is another good one, though, for real. Like, it starts off with a similar effect that you hear. You would appreciate this. It starts off the same kind of uh, audio effect you get from Minus the Bears, Mina Soloso. Mm. Did you pick up on that? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah, call, bud. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's something to do with the the sequencing that they have there, and then it kind of like hits like a Mars Volta song with the like the main like riff, it, just super fucking dense too. That that song has just got so many goddamn parts and so many different change changes of intensity with volume dynamics. Uh, just ugh, I'm exhausted just talking about it. The album is like exhausting in a way, but in a good way, you know. <laughs> This it, the, it, the, the, this shit is so good to the creators. How do you keep this to yourself? How the fuck do you not just tell everybody and show everyone? I'd fucking have too many beers and be like, all right, let me show you. Let me show you here. Just box. like <laughs> just leak everything. Just like God damn it. So once again, just so well thought out and just the the fucking wait for it wait for it i mean like because as like like i was saying as the time goes on it seems like this is more and more planned from the beginning and just like there is yeah it's crazy man it hits yeah this is uh there's scarcely anything that i I don't like about this album 
it's all super well executed. It's extremely forward thinking. It's uh, such a cool combination of, of various genres that are so disparate. Yeah, this is this is definitely an achievement for sure. This is one of the most exciting kind of releases that utilizes the musical device of Crescendo for me since Sunbather. Word. You were into Sunbather when that came out. Extremely. Yes, I remember that one. So I think we should give them average death unless you have any... Uh, Unless you have any protests. Dude, I was going to give you shit. You have to pick the track after you listed every last fucking one of them. That's up to you now. I did that's not. That's all you. I, 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 I know, but have... you were, you I was were about going to. there. You were going there. But anyways, yeah, yeah, I, I'm down with that one. I, I, I support it. I mean, there, there's so many other great highlights. Um, and I, I think that Masunaga Vapors is like more of the song that I'd be inclined to pick as it being like a song for the Mathcore Index podcast. But... I think that giving them average death will sort of more showcase what this album is really all about. Word. Uh, honestly, that would be my track of choice. Uh, but um, once again, it's, dude, pick one. Like, throw a fucking dart at it, you know? That kind of thing. Right, like, I'm, exactly. Yeah, Every track yeah. is incredible. Just fucking get your ears around it. Yep. So we're going to go ahead and play for you Average Death, which is track seven from The Arms' new album, Ultra Pop, which came out April 16th. <laughs> which came out April 16th via Sergeant House, Sergeant House Records. Wow, it's really struggling. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus.
cleanse the palate there, Christian. So fucking good. Boom! Yeah, uh, that uh, is fucking awesome. That was a really good track. That chorus, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on there, but I like that <laughs> chorus a lot. Well, yeah, really great album. So that was Average Death, which is track seven from Ultra Pop. Track seven! Track seven, that's where they bring in track seven. <laughs> right. Um, the, <laughs> let me tell you something. The middle of this album is fucking incredible. There's just this incredible run from like track two to track seven track eight even they're just all bangers yep, yep. it's uh, not like bookended at all you know no no fuck that honestly dude uh i really did not specifically think about sunbather until you said the word sunbather and now it's like and not they're, in a bad way it is just kind of sprinkled in the album and i see what's going on there so i mean well i'm not saying it sounds like a fucking a black metal or a post uh, you know a post Black and Screamo album, whatever you want to fucking describe Sunbather yeah. as, but uh, I think that again the same the same musical devices are utilized. Yeah, by, the, by the two bands. Absolutely. The the parallel just kept jumping out of me again and again and again when I'm listening to this album, and I I think that's probably one of the reasons it's it's uh, so universally uh, appealing is they they found a different way to be heavy. You know, it's it's heavy in the way where you just allow it to wash over you, and you know, in a different way than like just a heavy breakdown. If you understand my meaning, things can yeah. be heavy in different ways. You know, Absolutely. achieve the same kind of feeling in different ways. Yep. So, uh, with that, let's talk about Genghis Tron. Damn, just big dog after big dog here. Jesus Christ. Yes. So uh, next, we're going to talk about Genghis Tron, who are a four-piece progressive metal band from Poughkeepsie, New York. And they started back in 2006, released their debut, Dead Mountain Mouth, which I think was probably my first brush with, with Cybergrind, honestly, along mm-hmm. with artists like We Came With Broken Teeth and Cutting Pink With Knives. Uh, and then in 2018, excuse me, 2008, they released the earth-shatteringly good Board Up The House, which is still very, very highly regarded in the extreme music community today. And uh, then they kind of just went on permanent hi- uh, hiatus in uh, 2010 until January of this year. So now they're back with their new album, their first album in 13 years, Dream Weapon, which they released March 26th via Relapse Records. And uh, with this new album came a bunch of changes, uh, most notably the departure of vocalist Mookie Singerman and the addition of vocalist Tony Walski, who -hmm. is the drummer for The Armed, and uh, drummer Nick Yaxson, who has also been an Armed collaborator in the past, and... uh, yeah, and if you're not familiar with Genghis Tron, I mean, I would consider them to be like one of the pioneering artists of the cybergrind genre, or just generally being like one of the first artists that I heard that was really effectively combining electronic and extreme heavy music together, like in fully, uh, in a fully realized and earnest way. Yep. Yep. Uh, did Did you see them uh, in that little classroom uh, in Humboldt uh, with Kai Lessa? No, sadly, I did not. I don't know. I, I don't remember that show, so I don't. I don't think I was there. I think I would have remembered seeing Genghis Tron in a classroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was an Ink People one or whatever. You know, that little classroom, very but yeah, yeah, exactly. That was around the time that I got into that band. Actually, it was yep. the time that I moved up to Humboldt County, two thousand seven. So, yeah, that would kind of um, like make sense timeline wise. I mean, uh, I, I mean, you you just described uh, pretty well uh, who Genghis Tron uh, was and, and now is. Uh, for everybody out there that is listening to this, I'm pretty sure you all know uh, Genghis Tron, but for the few that don't, I guess you just gave them the info. 
I honestly, dude, I will keep this pretty short and sweet on my side and not uh, be too scathing about this uh, review. Uh, but this is not my cup of tea as far as this release. Uh, I, what, what Genghis Tron is now, um, I'm, I'm, it's just not for me. Uh, I will say... Uh, atmospherically, it is still Genghis Tron. There are elements that, like, it put me at ease. Like, I I know it is, like, still surviving members, and it sounds like they are there. But ultimately, um, yeah, I just I was one of the fans that were a little alienated uh, from this release, and that's all I can really say. Um, totally understandable. Yeah. I mean, because they're they're a band who are known for having programmed drums, and if you didn't catch what I said earlier, uh, there's a drummer in the band now. So (laughs) them being a pioneering artist of a genre that is known for having programmed drums and then completely dropping that is certainly a jarring change, I think, for all of their, you know, their diehard fans. Yeah, Uh, it's 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 a thing that uh, I guess once again, I and I'm uh, I'm just focusing on like what I in in my head when I'm, you know, I'm just like one singular fan. But it, it would be I would describe this as a lack of aggression in this album. But is that good or bad? I mean, that's up for whoever, but that is just coming from me, one fan, you know, it's just like, I, that's how I view this album. When I took it in, I'm like, you know, um, but yeah, this totally. is, I guess it depends on what you're trying to get out of the album. And if you're looking for like a more yeah. aggressive sound, you're not going to find enjoyment here. No. Yeah. That they've, that they've like, they've gone from, uh, channeling intensity and wall of sound in much the same way that the armed have pivoted to doing, which is again, another interesting relation there. That's like Genghis Tron pulled away and uh, you know, they, they retracted and you know, the armed contracted or whatever, you know, reverse that statement perhaps <laughs> either way, you know what I'm getting at. They, they, they sort of have traded places here a little bit. The stylistically, they, they really shifted into more like a progressive direction. It's, it's yeah. way more proggy and almost like trance inducing, with heavy emphasis on atmosphere and groove, they become like an ambient kind of p- progressive band, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, though, I you know with all these changes, I do kind of feel like the project, the spirit of the project, is still there, given that they use a lot of the same kind of three note patterns over hypnotic synths with softer volume dynamics. That is something, especially in the single Dream Weapon, that is very prevalent on board at the house. So when people cry about it, it changing a lot, I, I would kind of point to that as it's it, they're still there. But you know, although I do understand it's it's pretty it's pretty jarring to not hear them be like fully blown, uh, you know, electronica. I just I I, I understand I understand um, the the artistry switching, you know, just like your style switching, you know, as a band and just changing. But we're talking about. <sighs> It's it's ultimately well fuck, Jerome's dream kind of had the essence and they that his vocal styling was in the last like Alone Records, that st- vocal styling where he wasn't screaming. But I feel that you're gonna take this long of a break, and you're gonna come back. It's like, it's interesting. I mean, this is one of the you, where, this is I would definitely make. Um, I think that you could make a strong argument for this band should have changed their name here for sure. As much as That's we disagreed t- about this in the past, this is one instance yeah. where I'm like, you guys maybe should have probably changed your name. <laughs> it's like, I, I definitely would have like been teasing some single, like quite a few singles before. It's just, I, I am one person that did invest in the, you know, in the album and everything. And once it fully came out, I was just like, shoot. Like, you know, I, honestly, I didn't crack. I, I listened you feel, to it. Did you I, feel duped or? 
Um, no, I was just like, hmm, shoot, like, darn. Bummer. Not as good as you were hoping for. Um, totally, it, I, fucker, might, the, I might have felt a little left down too. Honestly, it, it is on my it is on my record uh, in my record collection right now, uh, still wrapped in plastic, not because I'm trying to keep it fresh. So, if that says anything, you know, I don't want to get too negative about it because there are like many moments on the album that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, there are times in this record when I feel like I'm listening to some like Kraftwerk B side, dude, or even dude. Nine Inch Nails. And those are the moments where I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I wish that they would do cool, more yeah. of this. If they, if they were to go more of any direction, that would be the direction I would point to that is really working for me on this album. Is uh-huh. They're kind of hitting a throwback. Ritual Circle is the song. That's, that's a big highlight. It's just very, given like the nods to the early electronic artists with those very distinctly retro analog synth sounds. I knew you were going to bring up craft work. I knew at some Dude, point you, you know, were going to say course. something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, all over the track, though, dog. For, it's great. For no, sure. it's, it's fucking great. But that was the one track I was like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that one hits. Uh, Dream Weapon, the debut single, as I mentioned earlier, also hits, too, for me. Probably the most traditionally Genghis Tron moments on the record are on that song. Especially, Absolutely. again, the, the three-note pattern thing. It's there. Just listen yeah. for it. If you're mad about this band being super different, go listen to the bridge of Dream Weapon and be taken back to Board Up the House because that's where they're, they're channeling the, the older sound the most. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's got to be Dream Weapon then. Oh, that would be my favorite track. I mean, about Ritual yeah, Circle I, I mean, takes. I definitely... a... Huh? Yeah, I feel like Ritual Circle just takes a bit too long to get going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dream Weapon. I mean, I was quite satisfied when I heard that single, uh, and you know, it's what brought me to buy the pre-order and everything. You know, it's it's great. Yeah, and you know, there's there's other good there's other good songs, but like, I really can't point to more than like one or two other ones really getting. Uh, getting a lot out of them like these these are the these are the biggest highlight tracks on the album i think mm-hmm. so we're gonna go ahead and play for you <laughs> jeff we're gonna go ahead and play for you uh dream weapon uh the title track of genghis tron's new full-length album that came out on march 26th via relapse records here we go
now the recorded audio will prevail. Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely true. The recorded audio will prevail. So cool. Now Just I can hear you better. Here. Okay, I can good. hear you better now. You're clearer now. Okay, good. Oh, wow, you're now? like night and day. What the fuck? You're night and day compared to what you just were. Yeah, I was fucking... I had a bunch of tabs open, and that just completely fucked my computer in the ass. Um, mm, that is, that's the interesting technical term. I didn't know that one. <laughs> so that was Dream Weapon, uh, the title track of Genghis Tron's new full-length album that came out on March 26th via Relapse Records. So next we're going to talk about Cruelty. Cruelty, the lonely stoner seems to freeze. <laughs> epic, epic Kid Cudi reference. Scott, Scott's dab. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. Um, that fucking got me. Um, so next we're going to talk about Cruelty. Cruelty are a metalcore quintet from England. Not exactly sure where, uh, as that is not stated on any of their socials, but... Uh, they just released their new debut full-length album, There Is No God Where I Am, which came out April 30th via Church Road Records, which is run by the homie Sammy of Employed to Serve, and previously yeah. Oblivionized. Uh, Oblivionized, which is a project that I still hold in very high regard to this day. Rest in fucking peace. Yeah, they really had a good run. I wish they would have been around a bit longer, but super sick catalog. Um, anyway, You so still got cruelty. that 12-inch, right? Oh, absolutely do, yeah. By, from that label, cool. Secret Law. Um, oh boy. All right. Those, okay. those dudes sucked. <laughs> I'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> or maybe you won't. I don't know. Depends on how I'm feeling later. Um, Cruelty play what it could probably best be described as like thrashy, chaotic, hardcore, and metalcore uh, that can certainly branch out into some fairly technical territory. Uh, but it's... Some moments are just like straight up thrash, you know. It really reminds you of like where this genre has its roots, which is basically fucking Slayer, you know. Yeah. Um, and honestly, there is just so much converge, and subsequently Slayer, I guess, just all over this record. It's not even funny. Uh, but moreover, they just kind of like really bring back the '90s, early aughts metalcore sound, uh, but bringing a lot more like technical flair and musical chops, I guess. Yeah, it's it's uh, bands like Dying Wish, you know, are are pulling from that these days. You know, uh, honestly, uh, renounced. They they also, I'm mean, just like, just I'm pretty sure they toured with Employed to Serve, but they also definitely are similar in sound uh, with Employed to Serve as well. Hmm. Right. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Although more like older employed to serve uh employed to serve now is more of like a, a new different. metal band yeah i, I yeah. think they've gone full-blown unabashedly new metal honestly yeah i mean one of the things i love about this record though is is the mix it's a very like live raw sounding production which i think really lends itself to their performance yep something else i noticed about this record is that some of the best material is like deposited towards the middle again very similar to the uh the armed record we were just talking about mm-hmm Dude, the, the the chugging riffs, uh, it just it brings that early ninety, not that early nineties, it'd be the late nineties metalcore style, uh, so much, uh, and yet it's so new, you know. Um, I it's not, uh, I, I very all the breakdowns are very new to me. Uh, it's this one was fuck. I had no idea about this band at all. Um, so 
it was, uh, I mean, definitely I'll, I'll be fucking investing my money in these guys now, I guess, too. Another fucking band to get my money to. Yeah, this is super promising. This is their debut album as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to come out with something like this as your debut fucking full length is quite a statement for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, just, the, I mean, the production and everything is just, like, fucking well done. Just coming out the gate, just swinging, you know, so. Yeah, a new band has, like, no business sounding this professional and polished on their, <laughs> their, on their first fucking album. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, what are some tracks that you enjoyed, Levi? Um, I believe it was uh, one of the singles, uh, A Lie That uh, that Makes Life Bearable. That'd be the one for me. Yeah, that's track two, and definitely like where the album picks up. As an introduction is just that, you know, it's more mm-hmm. of just a, a primer, if anything. So, yeah, that track kind of has, uh, there are a couple moments on this record, in that song in particular, uh, and I think it's Dead Culture that just kind of has some moments that are briefly mathcore, you know? as I, I might describe them. Oh, and that's also why I chose this track. Spiritual bit... War has a, a moment where I'm kind of like, that was kind of a little Dillinger part, kind of, you know, like using tr- some tritones there. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So there's a there's a bit of, uh, as much as this is kind of a throwback, there's still some like new flavor, I guess, is ultimately where, where we're landing with this description. Yep. Um, I liked Crimson Eye. Uh, I thought that was a fucking banger. Uh, Dead Culture and... If there is a God, he doesn't believe in me, which is a great fucking song title. <laughs> great song title. Honestly, that was another track I favored quite a bit. Uh, and it's probably half because of the fucking song title. But once again, um, this is one of those. Uh, this is another album where it's like, I don't know, it's man. It's a God-hating honestly, band. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, and for that, it's like kind of throw a dart at the fucking album, man. I'll, I'll take it all. I mean, I know the first track is not really much of a track, you know. So if I threw it there, it'd be whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, honestly, I, I'm a fan of this whole album. Yeah, if you just need like a thrashy, metallic hardcore, for those of you who are afraid of saying the word metalcore, um, mm-hmm. this is this is definitively what people would tag as metallic hardcore, though, for real. Yep. Like, on the real. Yep. If you like that specific phrasing and the bands that sound like a throwback kind of thrashy sound, then get, get fucking on this record. Yep. And Church Road also just kind of like picking up um, where... Uh, unnamed canceled label left off (laughs) so really appreciate that kind of just scooping up all that all those dejected bands from the lineup and giving them uh, a new home yep I thought that uh, Mine was also a really really standout track too it definitely definitely friggin has the riff from Wolves at My Door uh, from Converge but I forgive them because the trap the track just slaps so fucking hard (laughs) and it's just got so many I didn't notice that it's definitely the wolves out my. It's a very similar motif, if anything, very similar delivery and tonality to the guitar parts. Uh, but again, I forgive them because the, the track just slaps real fucking hard. And there's a lot of uh, start-stop kind of, you know, turn on a dime changes, and it's just musically really interesting. And also, again, kind of a, has like a sort of a throwbacky kind of feel to it, but still sort of is is forward. I don't know. It's not, I wouldn't say forward thinking, but. Um, anyway, before I, I ramble any further, you think uh, what, what track were you thinking? Uh, honestly, I, I would, mine was the one that I was going to suggest. Either that or a life, a lie that makes life bearable. So that would be mine. Uh, okay, let's do that one then. Yeah, cool. So we're going to go ahead and play for you a lie that makes life bearable, which is track two from Cruelty's new full-length album. 
what is it called again? It is called There Is No God Where I Am, and that came out on April 30th awesome. via Church Road Records. Here we go. I'm sorry. Talking, I made <laughs> I made forbidden about your joke. your bodily fluids. I told you. I said no, no, don't do that. <laughs> then you did it. I told then you I don't. Did then it. you did it, dude. I'm, God I'm such damn a rebel. it. God damn it. I'm such a rebel. That was the one thing I was like. By the way, don't mention your cum today. <laughs> I was just like my cum. <laughs> uh, damn, yo, uh, I understand you played the the intro, but whew, that intro. <laughs> tell you what. It does complement track two quite nicely, doesn't it? God damn, man. It lets you know what's going on. It gives you a, a briefing, you know? Let's you know what you're in for. <laughs> a briefing. Um, so that was 
the life that makes life worth living. Is that what it is? I fucking closed the tabs. So I don't even know what the song is called because I wrote down. Yeah, a, um, a, a, a lie that makes life uh, bearable. A lie that makes life bearable. <laughs> Close enough. You were kind of, yeah, you were there. You were there. Yeah, kind of... <laughs> and that's track two from There's No God Where I Am, which came out on April 30th via Church Road Records. Records by Cruelty. Go check it out. <laughs> that's so funny. If you could see us right now, <laughs> Levi, you knew. I wasn't making the hand gesture, but you just distinctly knew that that's what I was doing by the... My my the noises I was making. I yep. love you, bud. Um, <laughs> uh, so next we're gonna talk about Bone Cutter. Bone Cutter yes. are a hardcore quartet from the Bay Area, featuring members of Heavy Heavy Lolo, and they just released their debut self-titled EP, which came out on April twenty-third via Twelve Gauge Records. And the band play. Chaotic hardcore with the same noodly guitar lines and disco beats that we all know and love. Uh, if you know Heavy Heavy Lolo, you can probably already guess what this is going to sound like. It's not Absolutely. a far cry. Um, but I think the intensity has been significantly upped with some of the heavily processed and effect-laden guitar parts that just really like wash over you in kind of like a new way. Mm-hmm. They're sort of ex- They're sort of exploring some new textures, you know? It is definitely a crusty and synth weaved uh, EP. It is uh, in there through the whole uh, every track. It is thick, you know. Uh, I it is it is de- once again um, just like the armed. This is a new sound to to my ears, uh, and I would say it's definitely kind of like like genre splitting a little bit here. Uh, there is the heavy heavy low low uh, equation there, you know. But there's also additions, and uh, honestly, man, I, I just I wish there was more than the tracks that they offered. Uh, yeah, it's only four format. tracks. Yeah, it's about seven minutes long, uh, and it definitely does. I, I mean, for me, it feels like a continuation directly of Heavy Heavy Lolo, given that uh, mm-hmm. you know they've they've said as much, and the band features four out of five members of the final Heavy Heavy Lolo lineup, uh, yep. including vocalist Robbie Smith, uh, guitarist Sam Pura. Uh, who's also the engineer of Panda Studios, and uh, who did this? Who did this record? Yes, so, who yeah. engineered this record as well, and he was also in the story so far in Hundredth, and mm-hmm. um, it also features again. Uh, these guys have been in the band for a while as well since the beginning, I think. Andrew and Chris Fritter on bass and drums, respectively. Two brothers, just two brothers. Uh, curiously absent, however, is guitarist and founding member Danny Rankin who is evidently a Kendama fanatic, which for those of you who don't know, is a Japanese ball and cup game. Yes, Um, it's huge, dude. It's fucking huge. So he doesn't play music anymore, it seems. I think he's mostly kind of just doing... Yeah, chilling. It it seems like they're still on good terms with him, though. I I think that they were... um, I think they just basically wrote and recorded this batch of songs without Danny, so they just kind of like moved in a more psychedelic direction, uh, and noisy direction with this stuff. One notable difference for me is the the guitars. They just see, again, they seem to be a lot more like there's a lot more effects and processing on them. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Almost like battles with that chorus effect. Robbie, even I feel Robbie has uh, kind of. Um, matured in his like vocal approach but it's still mm-hmm. it's still like Robbie you know like you hear it but uh, overall he's um, way more versatile he's just like got a lot more a lot more uh, 
a lot more variety in the delivery technique. Yep. And, and this is so this Christian, th- these guys are going under kind of what all uh, the math, some of the, the weird math core index rules we have, right? Uh, we were mentioning earlier, you know, um, kind of like where Genghis Tron might have been able to maybe should have just changed their name, right? Because we always think like when the it's like either either when the key member leaves or when you have this gap in time and like a big stylistic change, maybe you should just fucking, you know, change your name. Like, cause it almost seems like you're kind of hanging on the coattails of the name, the brand, you know? Uh, and I just feel like this is one way, this is one uh, instance where it, it's fucking amazing. I love that it's, it's heavy, heavy Lolo missing a member. It is kind of heavy, heavy Lolo, but they went under a different name. It's just very refreshing in the sound and also just the approach that they came and how they marketed themselves. I think this for is just, sure. Um, I, I, I give, I give this, I give just the release of this and everything just two thumbs up. It's fucking for it's sure. Amazing. It's super fucking yeah. good. And yeah. I think that Robbie has not only matured as an artist, but he's just like grown as a contributor to this band artistically in that yes. he, di- he directs uh, the music videos. He did a really good music video for the sea of broken needles, which mm-hmm super good and kind of plays out like a horror film and also doing a lot of like um, a lot of graphic design or just like visual art stuff in general. So, and, and they also actually, released a gun. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, and I think uh, anybody that uh, would wish this would be just another heavy, heavy Lolo record. Um, I think everybody that would be, that would have that uh, opinion has been fulfilled because not only did Heavy Heavy Lolo just get have that VHS release, they had all the represses DVD, or the, yeah. the you know the reissues or whatever uh, these last this last year year and a half. So it's like everybody's been satisfied, you know. So I and just they were about to play again. a reunion tour too, or they just they got canceled because of the pandemic. I have no idea. I, I think you might know more about that than I do. They were going. They, they, I bought tickets for it. They announced it and everything. It was around the same time that they started releasing the the reissues for the vinyl. They were like, oh, oh wow. we're going to play like a yeah. They were going to play a hometown show. There was like four or five dates that were all Bay Area dates or just like Northern California, and um, yeah, it got canceled. It was like back at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, this is a good fucking project. Definitely feels like a. A logical progression from heavy, heavy, low, low. It's more psychedelic, but they definitely are hitting some kind of like darker and more dissonant territory. Uh, one such moment on my wife is a dead cat, or my dead <laughs> wife is a cat, rather. Um, <laughs> kind of, it's kind of gone in a flash, but it really reminds me of Gaza, like hitting those kind of moments. Um, but then again, just like those noodly riffs kick in and it's. It's kind of like putting on an old sweater, but then that old sweater fits even better than you remembered. Mm, I like <laughs> that. that. That's nice. <laughs> That's how I feel about Bone Cutter. So uh, I think we should give them My Dead Wife is a Cat. Meow. Cool. Down. Awesome. So we're going to play for you track one from Bone Cutter's new EP, My Dead Wife is a Cat. Meow. And uh, that came out on April 23rd via 12 Gauge Records. Here we go.
super good. Yep. So that was My Dead Wife is a Cat, Meow, which is track one from Bonecutter's <laughs> self-titled EP, which came out April 23rd via 12 Gauge Records. That title, that's part of the equation that's still there. That's what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, you know? So. <laughs> the playfulness, mm-hmm. the nonsensicalness. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they like a good goof. Yep. So next, we're going to talk about Black Shape. Black Shape are an instrumental post-math rock trio from Salt Lake City. Excuse me. Uh, they're a quartet, actually. Yeah, they're, they're four members from Salt mm-hmm. Lake City, Utah. Yep. And they just released their debut full-length album on April 23rd, which was produced, engineered, and mixed by Matt Goldman of The Chariot and Under, no, uh, Under Oath and mastered by Tony, uh, excuse me, Troy Glessner of August Burns Red and also of Under Oath. So a lot of uh, Christian metalcore pedigree backing this one. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. Really two guys, but just kind of influential people within their own circles. And uh, this is not something that I would typically gravitate towards at all. You know, it's a very, I would describe their music as, as very post-rock, although you could describe it as, as math rock or maybe even occasionally math core. Um, progressive. It's basically post-metal, instrumental post-metal for the most part, but mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. kind of, they're hitting a lot more, um, I don't know, I don't know what is, I don't know what it is about this record that I enjoy so much. It's just sort of a, a mood piece, really, that's kind of like hypnotic and like uplifting, uh, and you kind of just like get lost in it. It's got like a secular, a secular run, you know, so the, again, the another instance of the last track and the first track kind of bleeding into one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, uh, I, I, I mean, this it, it is an album. Uh, to, uh, you should listen to it as the album. It is not just like track by track. Uh, this this thing is meant to listen to like from start to finish. Uh, for their, for that reason, I don't have a favorite track uh, naturally, but uh, I, I would give this a listen. Um, it's honestly something I wouldn't gravitate to these days, uh, but I would say it's, uh, overall, very beautiful, yet kind of still like haunting in a way. Uh, it's it's got the like it's I don't know I I really do um, I get a little lost in it. I know it, it was hard for me to articulate a release or a, a review on yeah. this one for sure. I I feel like I feel like because of the lack of vocals, I I do get a little lost in the album a, a bit. But overall, I think you should listen to this like from start to finish. Uh, it is definitely like meant for that. There are vocals on one track, like the last there track, are. as I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But for but the most part, it's an instrumental band, though. Yeah. It is. Definitely an instrumental band, yep. Yeah, I, I'm sort of light on the notes for this one. Um, I, I hate it when we're, we arrive at that situation. But, yeah, this is just not something I'm super versed in describing. And it's... Um, I would say that it's more of, like, groove-based. They, they utilize a lot of... It's a lot of melody... Um, it's a lot of shoegazing too. I think is the other thing. If you if you enjoy a lot of uh, you know delay worship, and um, if you, basically if you like stuff like Russian circles, I think this is going to be your fucking jam. Oh, good comparison. Russian circles featuring um, the bassist of Botch, so to mm-hmm. kind of like bring that full circle. So on that note, there are some moments that come out on this record. They're kind of botch like actually, given some of the some of the guitar shapes. 
Anything else you want to add? No, man. That, that's about it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little light as well uh, for, for basically the same reasons, you know. But I, I would say to everybody out there, do give this full album a listen. It's, uh, it's a nice little journey, you know. So. Yeah, this is a good release. Uh, if you need just like a good post-metal kind of album that'll just really take you away, this is the one for sure. So we're going to go ahead and play track eight, or eight rather, which is track eight from Black Shape's new <laughs> full-length album, their new self-titled album, which came out on April 23rd. Here we go.
So that was eight, which is track eight from Black Shape's new full-length album, which came out on April twenty-third. Mm-hmm. The new full-length self-titled album, no less. So next, we're going to give you your release radar for the month of April. Some pretty good shit dropped this month. Uh, first up, we have Rule 36 by Intercourse. Great uh, Connecticut noise rock. Um, outsider hardcore, if you will. Great fucking album. When the Going Gets Weird, The Weird Turn Pro, the new split from Agent Mulder and Bad Acid Trip, which we covered recently. Uh, I have tried to speak through the soil in my mouth, the new EP from Apostle. The Crimson Corridor, the new full-length album from Zeo. Ultra Pop by The Armed, definitely real spicy meatball there. We had the self-titled EP by Bonecutter, featuring members of Heavy Heavy Lolo, a fucking really great release. Uh, Black Shape, the debut self-titled album by the band of the same name. The Worm Hero Lurin Split. Need some good UK uh, noise put together on a split there. Some good chaotic metalcore. Speaking of which, a From Joy dropped their new EP, The Deafening Sound of Doubt. Premiered music video for them recently as well. And then last but certainly not least, uh, There Is No God Where I Am, the new debut full length album from Cruelty which is out now via Church Road Records. So that was your release radar for the month of April. So the last release we're going to talk about is the Worm Hero Lurin Split. And uh, Worm Hero are a cybergrind mathcore quartet from Stoke-on-Trent, and Lurin are a metalcore quintet from Manchester, UK. And they just released their new split on April 23rd. Worm Hero would play what I would describe as like synthy grindcore and mathcore, kind of in the vein of the Locust and Albatross, Horse the Band, uh, given like just a thematic kind of comedy sort of air to it as well, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Um, while Lurin sort of play with this like forward thinking, electronic injected metalcore. That's something like Code Orange or maybe, you know, Vane without the, yeah. the whammy pedals. It's chaotic and atmospheric at times, you know, mm-hmm. definitely that, that Code Orange feel for sure. They kind of hit some death Corey notes too occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and both, just to say something positive, like right out the door, both of these projects have come massive leaps and bounds. Uh, I've just truly seen the artists who are involved in them just like blossom before my eyes, especially... Uh, guitarist Jesse of Worm Hero and vocalist uh, Cameron of Lurin, both of them just steadily chipping away at all these very small releases and just making improvements uh, and just starting to become it's becoming super noticeable that they've gotten a lot better. Um, Levi, we've covered Jesse's Worm other Hero. projects. Yeah, well, uh, from Worm Hero, we've covered uh, Requiem of Torment and Forget Our Names, which became Forget. Um, I think Worm Hero is like by far the best manifestation of anything that these people have have done so far. This group of artists, that is. Um, 
And yeah, Cameron also just clearly chipping away, uh, you know, honing his chops as a vocalist for the last year or so. Did a really sick, uh, you know, little EP as well. Um, a solo EP, rather, that I thought was pretty decent. Um, so yeah, this is just cool. Two, like, younger groups of UK musicians just, like, steadily putting out all different kinds of music across a number of genres, really. And um, this is just another collaboration, I guess, in a long line of them. Um, I, I, my, my, my notes are a little light on, on this one as well. Uh, just, but I'm in, in, in no, in no negative way, uh, just a little light, uh, pretty simple review on both these guys. So, so I guess we'll go ahead and give you some tracks then. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and play for you, uh, well, what were your favorite tracks, Levi? Did you have any? Yeah. Uh, so lure in, I would say my favorite track would be blue. Uh, that one was a fucking ripper. Mm-hmm. And uh, for Worm Hero, uh, I would say my favorite track would be uh, Are We Being Watched? That one's good. Um, for me, it was There Was a Fish in the Percolator. I thought that ah, was pretty good. Ah, yes. That one was also pretty good. Um, and although it takes off a little bit slower, Alive Track 3 from the Lure Inside is also quite good, too. Very, like, melodic heavy hardcore on that track. Mm. Um, so I think we're going to go ahead and give you uh, There Was a Flash in the Percolator by Worm Hero and Blue nice. by Lurin, which is uh, off the new Worm Hero Lurin split, and that came out on April 23rd. Here we go.
right, so that was... There was a Flash in the Percolator by Worm Hero and Blue by Lurin off the Worm Hero Lurin split. And that came out April 23rd. So before we wrap this up, I just want to thank everybody for listening uh, in the chat on Discord. We love you so mm-hmm. much. You're the best. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and you're listening later on, please do us a favor. Leave us five stars. Uh, leave us a nice little review if you made it this far, letting us know um, what you liked about it, what you like about us. Um, just very detailed descriptions about what you like and, <laughs> and uh, your email address, and maybe we'll send you something nice. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess that about wraps it up for the 63rd episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And we'll be back again next month with some more sick underground bands. Good night and stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.